the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hello, friends. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Today, I'd like to talk to you about a church in peril, P-E-R-I-L, a church in peril. Very important. We understand this. And uh, you probably have found, if you, I take it back, if you are on the cutting edge of Christianity, if you, and by that I mean if you're reading your Bible every day, if you are living by faith, if you have a prayer life, if you are interceding for others, for the church, if you're interceding for those that are sick, And if you are shining your light wherever you go, amen, then you are a member of the church and your eyes should be open to the danger of being such a type of person. The Bible, it's written to Christians, it's written for Christians, particularly the New Testament, right? The Gospels, they're for everybody, but the letters, all of them are written specifically to you and to me, to the church. Romans is written to Christians who were in Rome and Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. The letters in Revelation are written for you and for me, and they are from Jesus to his church. The warnings therein, those warnings that are written, they apply to all time. Yet there are some warnings that will specifically apply to certain times, the end times. Second Timothy 3.1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, if you understand Paul and Timothy, he had a father type of relationship with Timothy and He was always looking out for Timothy, and he was nurturing him. He was mentoring him. And his letters to Timothy are full of the warnings, because actually uh, he sent him off to Ephesus. And even though things started out really well there, they were coming under tremendous persecution. The church was growing. People were doing well. And so they caught the wrath of the Roman government and the Jewish people. And they were constantly being persecuted and suffering. And so that's why Paul is constantly writing these letters. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And remember, these people thought that Christ was coming back any time. They all thought that the return of Christ would happen before they died, which is good because it keeps you on your toes. That's how it was written. That's how it was supposed to be understood. Here we are 1970 years later, and man, it's so close. The return of Christ is so close. So we're working on that. We're trying to go ahead and make sure that you are aware of the warnings so that you don't go astray. One more time, 2 Timothy 3.1. Remember, this is where Paul talks about the 19 characteristics of evil people in the last days. Remember, they shall be lovers themselves. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You got to understand, folks, the church is always in peril. Galatians 1.4 who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. 
This present evil world has been around for 2,000 years, ever since Paul wrote this. There has not, nor will there ever be a time when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not in peril. There will never be a time when we are not being persecuted, when we are not going through tribulation, trials, and sufferings. We will be delivered from the peril of this evil world, according to that scripture, only according to the will of God. And who knows when the will of God is going to provide for our deliverance. For me as a Christian, I have received that deliverance through Christ already. I am no longer held by the cords of sin that are one of the weapons of the enemy to keep us trapped into this world. But for the rest of the people, or their promise as it were, it could be talking about the removal of the church. It could be talking about the return of Christ. But basically, you have the opportunity to be delivered from this present evil world. And even though in the natural realm there is peril all around me, it doesn't touch me. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. So, we will be delivered from the peril of this evil world, but only according to the will of the Father. He has a plan for us being here. It's his sovereign right to have that plan. And until that plan is successfully completed, the church will remain here in peril. John three nineteen, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. One reason the church is in constant peril from the world is because the world is evil. Put that together with the fact that men rejected the light, Christ, the light that we carry, and it stands to reason they would oppose us. We are trying to free them from something that they love. Think about the things that you love. How would you react if someone tried to take that from you, right? What does the world love? They love the darkness. They love the darkness. Why? Because they think it hides their evil deeds. And sadly, because they love the darkness, in the face that light has come, they stand condemned already. But even with all of that in play, our greatest peril to the church is found within the church. It comes from the evil men and the false teachers and the false apostates and the false apostles and the erroneous damnable doctrine, the imposters, the counterfeits, the seducers, all who operate in today's church. That's quite a list. Second Timothy 1.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You may not know this as truth, but those 19 characteristics I referenced that are described by Paul in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, they describe end-time mankind's behavior. And actually, those verses refer to the behavior of men in the church, of church folk. That's right. And verse 13 talks about evil men and seducers, imposters that are in today's church. And it says they're going to get worse and worse. You know, I think they're really bad right now. I mean, we're losing millions to them, and yet they're only going to get worse. It's very interesting here. The Greek word for evil in the use uh, right here is poneros, P-O-N-E-R-O-S, evil men and seducers. It's referring to evil men. The Greek word is poneros. There's two Greek words that refer to evil. One is poneros, and the other one is krakos. Unlike the other Greek word, K-R-A-K-O-S, which means of evil character or nature, This word poneris has other more serious connotations to it. The noun poneria is derived from poneris, and it means evil, including evil, malignant, character, pernicious, people that which is morally or socially worthless. They are wicked. They are base. They are bad. They are degenerate. Poneris denotes determined, aggressive, and fervent evil that actively opposes that which is good. Poneros is not just bad in character, like Kakos is, okay, but it's bad in effect. It can injure you. Don't forget, we're describing people 
in the church. Poneris describes evil in active opposition to good. It means not only evil in its nature, but viciously evil in its influence and actively harmful to people. Poneris used to describe Satan, the god of this age who is corrupting man and dragging him to destruction. This denotes someone who is not content to being corrupt themselves. They seek to corrupt others and to draw them into the same destruction. These are the people in our church. Many of them are leaders in our church, folks. Did you get that? The evil men in the church who are getting worse and worse, they're on a demonic assignment. They are agents of Satan bent on your destruction. Their goal is to win you to evil. From their position in the church, I cannot overemphasize this. They have positions in the church with the goal of winning you to evil. I cannot emphasize, overemphasize the danger from the false teachers and the false people that stand in our pulpits. You have no idea the depth of the danger that it presents to us. They are not just evil plants in the church designed to corrupt you by their mere presence. The Greek word for that is krakos, just evil, inherent evil. It's the character of evil, krakos. This word is poneris. They are witnessing for Satan. They are opposing God's will. They are opposing Jesus. They are opposing the truth, the Bible, and they are opposing his children. They are literally on assignment, witnessing for Satan under the guise of righteousness. You've got to get that. They sound good. They look good. They're pretty. They're personable. And yet, They are bent on your destruction. They are evil. And their goal is to remove you from your position in Christ. I don't care how good they look or how good they sound. Let me say that again. They are witnessing for Satan under the guise of righteousness. It's a master plan and it's working beautifully, saints. Unless the church returns to its foundational base, the Bible, we will be easy prey for this angel of light and his demonic forces. So many have been taken already, unfortunately. So many have been deceived. So many have already fallen. It's why we do what we do, folks. I don't care how tired you get of hearing it. I don't care how many times I have to say it. We will warn you until God says to stop it. Matthew twenty four eleven and many false prophets. There's not going to be a few of these people. There's going to be many of them. They shall rise. Actually, there's another translation. And it says, and shall deceive many. Another translation says, they shall deceive most. And that's the proper a rendering of it. We're going to lose more than we keep. We are fighting for your souls, guys. Both God and Satan have that in common. They both want your souls. They both want your souls for their purposes. And they've got something else in common. This is nasty. Both are using the church to get it. It's why we also warn you guys. You think the church is a place of safety. No, it is not. The word is a place of safety. Jesus Christ is your place of safety, your only place of safety. The church is the spiritual force in the earth today that represents God's interests. We come under attack, sure. We suffer casualties, many desert. We have traitors as well. If we understand all that, then we won't be surprised or taken unawares when the defections or the losses come or the false are revealed. There are certain spiritual rules which the church must follow in order to fulfill our Lord's plan. As noted before, Satan is tricky. He's literally a magician. The word there for imposter has close association with that word magician. It grew into being used to describe jugglers, enchanters, sorcerers, wizards, and magicians. It describes one who misleads with chance and thus an imposter or a swindler or a cheat. It describes one What word? Imposter. It describes one who has the habitual practice of fooling others through false pretense. 
Paul tells us these folks, the evil that they do, the evil that they carry, the evil that they are, will only increase and get worse as we get closer to Jesus' return. Why do you think Jesus warned us so often? Paul warns us pretty much in every book. Titus warned us. Peter, James, they all warn us. You've got to be careful of what you're listening to, of who you are following. And once again, they look as an angel of light. I should be calling out these guys' names and letting you know how dangerous they are to you. I've mentioned people before. They have the largest churches in America. They're all over the place. They have the big megachurch ministry. False religions like the Word of Faith movement has created doctrines that are damnable, that are hiding men's greed and idolatry. In my opinion, the biggest single reason why the church is in trouble from within is because we don't know who God is. We don't know the God of the Bible. We don't know our Bibles, and so we don't know the God of the Bible. And since we don't know our Bibles, we can't know God. Yet so many preachers are in popus today telling us who they think God is. We not only don't know God, but since we don't know him as we should, and yet we stand in the pulpit listening to people not called by God, and we have those people tell us who he is, then our biggest sin is we have recreated God in the image of fallen man. The picture we have presented to church congregants about who God is is absolutely false, telling them that God doesn't judge, that God loves everybody, that his love for you is unconditional. All of those are lies. They're all false, that God's not sovereign. What, are you crazy? I cannot open up my Bible and find more evidence, no matter where I read it, that God is sovereign. I mean, it doesn't, New Testament, Old Testament, Proverbs, Psalms, God is sovereign. He does not need man. False teachers are out there telling you that God cannot do anything in the earth without partnering with man today. That's false. That's from the pit of hell. People telling you, I remember I had a discussion telling a close friend of mine that COVID was a judgment of God upon the church. He couldn't believe it. He was shocked. He said, no, COVID came from the pit of hell. And these guys are teaching. You got to be careful, folks. It's the biggest single reason why the church is in trouble from within because we do not know who God is. We don't know who God is because we don't read our Bibles. Romans one twenty five. They, demonic man, traded the truth of God for a lie. They bowed down and worshiped the things that God made instead of worshiping the God who made these things. He is the one who should be praised forever, not these things. We're guilty of idolatry on so many levels, folks, especially in America, where materialism and carnality is rampant and you know we base our success even in the church on the amount of seats we fill on the the money that we have the size of our building i mean we're just way out of whack in america we need a total heartfelt from ground zero repentance and get back into the word of god and start over you know we make fun of the people in india at least i know i used to because they worship the cows and they wouldn't eat them and they were starving I mean, that's ignorance before daylight, right? And just like the people in India, America, we have fallen for idolatry. Biggest one here is probably money, materialism, power. We love power. We love success. With less than a third of our pastors professing to hold a biblical worldview, get that, one in three pastors on your Sunday church, on your TV show on Sunday, one in three pastors believes the Bible concerning what the world looks like. You have got to look through the world through the prism of God's word. If you don't do that, you're going to fall for everything that comes under the sun. Well, only one in three pastors does that. With less than a third of our pastors professing to hold to a biblical worldview, which has resulted in less than 10% of progressing Christians having a worldview, it's small wonder the church doesn't have a true relationship with the God of the Bible. 
I praise God for the less than 10% of professing Christians who truly do know God, the remnant. Just as verse 13, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, just as verse 13 tells us the church is dominated by evil men, by seducers, by imposters, and it's getting worse and worse the closer we get to the return of Christ. But God, all this deception and all these false men in the church should have one profound effect on the true man or woman of God. It should be driving us back to the safety of the word. Get this. You need to understand this. Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I love that. There's protection from the word when you run to the word. Yes, but the protection according to this scripture comes when you put the word in you. I don't know about you running to the word and getting safety by hiding in the word. I like it better when you put the word in you and it protects you from the deception that's out there. I don't see where God delivers us from this last end time apostasy. I don't see where God removes the false from the church. I just don't see where that's written. I do see where God, through his word, protects us in the midst of what's going on. Many Christians are looking to hide from this evil wickedness. We're looking to find shelter. We're looking to get back into the church and hide like an ark, as it were, and hide from all the wicked that's out there that's been unleashed upon our nation and that's penetrated our church. But now is not the time for the church to go into the closet. Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-eight: When the wicked rise, men hide themselves. I'm sorry, that's just not me. But when they perish, the righteous increase. You don't think the church is in hiding? COVID shutting down our churches is a manifestation of men hiding from the wicked. Changing the gospel message so as not to offend the wicked and thus avoid persecution is another manifestation of men hiding from the wicked. Saints, this is not a time for the church to hide. Everybody's coming out of the closet except the church. The church is running in. Homosexuals are coming out of the closet. Gender-confused idiots out there making up anything they wish. They're out of the closet. It's just out of control. And the church cannot be running into the closet thinking it's the place of safety. You put the word of God in you and you are safe. We are hiding from the wicked. This is not that time. We are to boldly confront and point out wickedness, evil in our nation, even if it means confronting the false and the evil and the wicked that is in our pulpits today. Despite the beliefs and the desires of many, and let me tell you this, the church isn't called to restore righteousness to America. That is not our calling. God never told us to clean up the pond. He told us to fish in it. It's a world of difference. He's not even going to clean it up when he's going to come back. He's going to destroy it and give us a new one. But it is always... The church is trying to take back America and restore us to our status as a righteous nation. That's an admirable pursuit, and we do have a role to play in that endeavor. But it is always secondary to our call to evangelize and to disciple. And as we do that, if God perchance sends revival, hallelujah, if he sends an opportunity to get back on board and let the Lord use us this way in the restoration of righteousness to America, so be it. But it's not something that we decide on our own, unfortunately, which is what's going on right now. God has a plan for America. Of course he does. Moving forward, we don't know what it is. But remember, it's not our plan that's going to work. It's going to be the plan of God. God's will right now is that we point out our nation's sin, that we call for repentance and intercede for that repentance, that we restrain the wickedness that manifests that we preach the gospel message into this darkness, and that we quit trying to avoid the persecutions that God said would be the result of our fearless witness. Others may fight in the five-sense realm. The church's battle is in the realm of the Spirit. And yes, that should include giving warnings inside the church to the danger represented by such false teachers who take your money, 
They refuse to talk about sin. They live unholy lives and they compromise God's truth. In my opinion, it's time that they were named and they were called out. Listen, if I'm traveling down the biggest interstate here in Texas, Interstate I-45, and there's a huge pothole that is swallowing up cars, I don't just tell you there's a dangerous pothole on I-45. I tell you where it is. I name the exit and I give you as much information as possible. Why? Because I love you and I wish to protect you. Well, us confronting and offending both the sinner and the sinning saint with the truth, that offense will be nothing when compared to the heartache caused by the judgment of God if we don't tell them when that judgment comes upon them. We have to be specific concerning the dangers confronting the church. Romans 1, 14 and 15. I love this verse. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul writing in Romans. Paul said he was a debtor basically to everyone. He's saying, I owe you something. Even more than that, he's saying, I have something that belongs to you. I'm carrying it around with me and I long to give it to you. What did Paul have that belonged to the other people? Verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Paul, the debt he had was the gospel. He was carrying around the truth of the gospel for them. He owed them the gospel. It was a debt he had to pay. It didn't belong to him. It belonged to them also. And he's carrying it around and he says, I've got something for you. It belonged to them. How dare he not give it to them? How dare we not give the gospel? We have the same debt that Paul has. If we're members of the body of Christ, we're called to be witnesses. So then do we as true believers in Jesus fail to give the truth of the gospel to those that we live with? They have something. We have the truth for them. It's what we owe them. We owe them the truth. Do we, in our pride and arrogance, change the gospel because we feel it's not adequate as it stands? Do we remove the difficult parts of the gospel because it might offend them? Do we avoid the confrontational aspect of the gospel's challenges? Do we fail to tell them it's the gospel to the sinner, to them? It's your gospel. It belongs to you. We've got it. It's our job to give it to them. Remember, if it isn't the truth, then it isn't love. Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Here, Paul is writing in Ephesians that it takes the combination of love and truth for the church to grow. We don't just preach love, which by the way, we're preaching counterfeit nowadays. We just don't preach love, but we preach love and truth. The message is always truth. The motive is always love. Love doesn't grow the church. Truth doesn't grow the church. It's a combination of the two that grows the church together. This message is always truth. The motive is always love. The church is falling down and the nation is failing because neither truth nor love is being exemplified by the church. Love has been counterfeited and hijacked by the ungodly and the church has conformed and said, okay, no more accountability, no more judgment within the church for the sake of correction. That's the love that's floating out there now that's supposedly passing as Christian Bible love. That's just another deception. And the church refuses to correct them. We must call them out. And truth, truth has been exchanged for deception and lies fallen in our streets today. Isaiah fifty nine fourteen. And judgment is turned away backwards and justice stands afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity, justice, fairness cannot enter. Personally, 
I worry not over what's been happening because the word warned us all this stuff would take place. Let me describe for you two areas. I'll preface this that we're going to talk about this next week, but let me just introduce them. Two areas, large areas of deception that has infiltrated today's modern American churches. Number one is the religion of rationalism, where we rationalize and the indwelling religion of politicism. Two of them. Rationalized, we stand in judgment of God's word. We put God's word through the filter of our mind and we decide whether it's worthy of our action or not. That's called rationalism. And it's when we stand in judgment of God's word. That started with Eve in the garden. And the second one is politicism. And the church is being drawn into this deal with trying to get President Trump restored, trying to use political favor, trying to send so-called Christians to Washington to fight the fight that we're fighting in the flesh. Well, we need to pray about both of those because they represent a further danger to the church. I'll pick up on this when I come back next week. We love you. Have a great weekend. I'm Ron Geyer. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.